We start January 1st by coming together, the six of us, our nuclear family, and laying aside some time to just hear from the Lord. And if you had the chance to, to watch the devotional that Steph and I gave that you could have played around Christmas Day, it's on allpeoples.tv if you want to understand more of this. But we go through something called a personal compass. And our whole goal is to hear what God is speaking for the new year and then to go through each one of our roles and to get his specific marching orders. So we did that. We had the opportunity to take a little vacation. We were at a, a mountain cabin for four days. And so we were sitting around the fire and, and, and we prayed and devoted the year to the Lord and then asked God to speak to us. And each of us, my, my four kids and Steph and I each filled out our own sheet hearing God. But one of the questions I was asking is, God, what are you speaking for us at all peoples to rally towards? Like, what, what is the charge for us? And as I asked him that, he gave one specific, very clear word, and it was the word believe. The word is believe. Say believe. And I asked him for a confirming scripture. Whenever you get a word from the Lord, I'd encourage you to always ask him to confirm it through scripture because God's never going to contradict his written word. His rhema word is never going to contradict his logos word. And so God highlighted this scripture to me where it says, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? It's in John chapter 11 from the very famous story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We'll jump more into that in a moment. Now, I love confirmations. I love confirmations that God is speaking. So I wrote that down. I wrote down the verse. I started praying into it. The next day, we took off from that cabin. We were in New Mexico. We were driving back, and there was a long stretch of just wilderness where there's no civilization. So it was interesting. In the middle of the wilderness, there was one actual large billboard. And what did that billboard say? Believe. Unbelievable. In a stretch where there's just 50 miles of wilderness, no civilization, this big billboard, I thought, you know what? That's a sign. That's a sign from God, I think. Uh, some, you know, we talk about signs and wonders. That's a sign that makes you wonder. Right there. So I, I call uh, Kindle and say, hey, you know, I, 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 I think that God is speaking to us to rally the church to believe. And he said something that was very significant. He said, you know, that's an interesting because so many world leaders right now are just speaking doom and gloom. They're just saying, hey, we're going into a darker time. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But the people of God are always called to carry hope. And I'm not saying that times are going to get better circumstantially, but what I am saying is that you have an unshakable rock to which you can cling to. His name is Jesus, and he is the one who we are called to believe. He has a plan for you, a plan not to harm you, to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And so I believe in this moment that our church is called to rally together and believe corporately. Now, what was cool is the next morning, Kendall sent me another confirmation. He said, wow, this popped up on my Instagram from the world's tallest building, the Burj Khalifa. We were just there two years ago in Dubai. The world's tallest building is lit up, and I don't know if you can see it when we put up that picture, but in the center of it, there's one word lit up for 2021, and it says, believe. 
Maybe God is speaking something. Maybe it's not even just to our church. Maybe it's to the world. The story behind it is Andrea Bocelli had gone in and doing a concert, and while he sung the prayer, they put up the word believe. Pretty cool. So if that wasn't enough, I get to my office, and, uh, you know, oftentimes people will send us Christmas cards, and I had different Christmas cards, but in the very center of my desk, and no one knew that this was my word, and this wasn't from someone on staff, this is from someone outside the church, they sent this card, and it says, believe. And I love what this prophetic woman said to me. She said, let's stay in the belief department. I tell you, church, it's time for us to believe, because I think there's more and more that that we're not believing in, where so many are losing our trust in, in our political system or in our government. We, we, we can't put our trust anymore that, that we're just going to be safe physically as we've been in a global pandemic. We can't just believe that things are going to prosper economically because we've been in an economic recession. We, what do we put it? We can't put our trust in our schools. They're closed. We can't put our trust in so many things, but you can never go wrong believing in God. In fact, I want to give you four keys as we get started this morning, four keys that believing brings in the kingdom of God. Number one, I'd encourage you to write these down, believing unlocks the doors of eternal life. You can't enter into God's kingdom without believing. Most famous scripture in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, oh, it's going to be a lot easier this morning if you help me out, that whoever, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. The way we start a relationship with God, the way we make it to heaven, the way we have eternal life is through believing. We go on from there. To this, believing is a key to seeing God's kingdom advance. God didn't just put you on earth to save you, that he wants to use you. But the main way is not by our own efforts and our own work. It is through believing. Jesus said this, have faith in God, Jesus answered. This is Mark 11, 22 through 23 and 24. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Faith can move mountains by believing. We advance the kingdom. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, oh, are you guys tired this morning? (laughs) Believe that you have received and it will be yours. Number three, believing is a key to the power of the Spirit being released. Why is so much of American Christianity powerless? Where are the miracles from the New Testament? Where are the miracles that we hear about? They come as we believe. Jesus said this to his followers in John 14. This is something I meditated on so much as a young person because I started reading the Bible and I thought, my Christianity has been boring, but this book is exciting. I want to see the things that are spoken of in this Bible. And it seems like Jesus promises, but he says it this way. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I am looking towards a day when the church is moving in New Testament power. 
where people are healed again, where demons are cast out again, where miracles are happening again. Anyone else believing for that day? Believing makes everything possible. Believing makes everything possible. You're thinking, whoa, Robert, you're going out there. No, I'm not going out there. Jesus is going out there. Mark 9, 23 through 24. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. He's talking to this man who brings his son, and his son is afflicted demonically and keeps throwing himself in the fire and getting hurt and tormented. And the father brings the son to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you heal him? And Jesus says, if you can, Everything's possible for him who believes. And I love what the father says because it's our prayer. Immediately the, bo- the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe and help me overcome my unbelief. And he was healed, by the way. He was healed. This is a great prayer for you. Some of you, even hearing this, you're like, oh, Robert, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't wrap my mind around what you're saying. Or, man, I, I just don't know if I believe. The great prayer is, Lord, help my unbelief. Oh, the Lord wants to restore the gift of belief to his church in this hour. Pray out. Ask the God to restore your belief, to give you a gift of faith. There is a gift of faith that he wants to release in this hour. So I want to jump into that story of Lazarus because I believe that God is wanting to unpack for us revelation from which we are to live from in this hour. So starting in John 11, 1 through 3. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. Now, who's Lazarus? Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. He's young, about probably somewhere between 18 and and 25. He's a good friend of Jesus, and he's sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So these are three great friends of Jesus, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. This Mary, whose brother now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair, one of my favorite stories. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Here's the first thing I want to point out from this story. Sometimes godly people will get sick. Just because you are having a problem doesn't mean that God has deserted you. Uh, I know many godly people that have gotten COVID. How about you? I know some people that love Jesus. I know people of faith that have had COVID or that have COVID currently. Can I tell you that just because you're sick, just because you're afflicted, just because you're in a trial, God has not left you. The enemy is trying to steal belief from the church because there's this lie that if, if I follow Jesus, if he's really real, then bad things wouldn't happen. No, Satan is the prince of the earth, and that's why bad things happen to good people. If you're struggling with why bad things happen to good people, it's because there's a devil, and he hates you, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And bad things even happen to Jesus' best friend, Lazarus. He gets sick. If you're sick today, if you're struggling today, if you're going through a divorce today, if people hate you today, don't think that God has left you. This story is all about the contrary. God is going to use your situation. Now watch this. It says this, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Oftentimes, our trials are for God's glory. 
We go into trials. If we don't go into the trial, if you don't get sick, you can never know Jehovah our healer, Jehovah Rapha. If you don't ever uh, have a need, if you're never broke, you never need to know Jehovah Jireh. Right? If you're never attacked, you don't ever have to know uh, Baal Perazim, God of the breakthrough. Are you following me? It's no big deal when a, a bag of groceries miraculously shows up on your doorstep if you have all the food you need. But it's when your, your refrigerator's empty and food shows up, you're like, oh my gosh, God is so good. You don't really care about getting healed if you're healthy. Right, But so many times it's in our pain that God is glorified. Now, here's what I can't guarantee you is that it, it won't result in death. Sometimes godly people do die, but even in that, God is glorified. I, I think about how God was glorified. One of the, the areas most was in my heart problem when I got sick. It's one of the areas that God has gotten the most glory out of. I think about my mom getting cancer and it bringing her to a place of loving Jesus like never before. And then she eventually got healed and she praises God for it. But I also think about my friend Clay Madsen, our closest family friends growing up who got cancer and ended up dying from it. And yet, in the midst of it, his family found Jesus, and 2,000 people in our city came to the Lord. If you give your whole life to Jesus, God will even be glorified in your trials, in your pain. God is the God who we give him our lives, and he uses them for his glory. Now, back into the scripture, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not what I'd want my friend to do. Right? He loved them, so he stayed away. Like, that doesn't make for a good worship song. We all love that Hillsong song. I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue. This is, I called, you didn't answer, and you stayed away from my city, and you let me die. <laughs> oh, that one isn't hitting the top of the charts on the billboards. But I want to tell you, God's taking us into deep, mature Christianity. Not just, bless me. Lord, not just I put my spiritual coin in the slot machine, I pull the lever and some coins come out. God is calling us to understand that sometimes he makes us wait, sometimes we call and he doesn't show up right when, when we want him. Why? Because God is working. He's just working on us. He's working on our character. He's growing our belief muscle. His ways are higher than our ways. He is doing something behind the scenes. Just because God doesn't answer right when you want it doesn't mean he doesn't have your best in mind. I, I see people miss it all the time because of this. They want to get married. They want to get married now, and they won't wait, and they end up in the wrong marriage. They want a job, they want it now, and they won't wait, so they end up in the wrong job, or they leave their job too soon because God doesn't seem to be delivering them, or they move away from the place where God had called them because things are hard. Stay with God. Wait on God. You might not always get the answer right when you call, and who knows why, but God is in control, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he's working out all things according to his good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But sometimes we have to wait. 
I see people get into debt because all of a sudden they have a financial need, but they don't wait on God's provision. I see people do all kinds of things, and they, they actually break laws, and they, and they sin because they're not willing to wait. We have to learn. In 2021, we have to learn to wait on God. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So he's saying, okay, guys, now it's time after two days. Let's go back to Judea. But rabbi, that means teacher, but rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? They're saying, hey, Jesus, there are people that want to kill you there. There are people that want to persecute you, and you're still going to go? I, I, I need to tell you something that's really on my heart right now is that 2021, I believe that more persecution is coming for the body of Christ. More people are going to come against Christians. More people are going to tell Christians they can't talk. More, more people are going to be persecuted for what they believe. You're not going to be able to stand for this book without more people coming against you. They're going to tell you you can't talk about your faith in school. They're going to tell you you can't talk about your faith in your workplace. They're going to threaten to fire you. They're going to come against you. They're going to try to, 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 to make you seem foolish. They're going to try to take things away from you. I can tell you it's already happening. It's happening to me. I'm experiencing that. I'll talk about that more in this sermon. But I want to tell you that God will be with you. Listen to this. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. What's the key? The key is this. You start getting persecuted. People start coming against you, and you just have to hear God. And God will tell you the next step to take. And you walk by his light, and you will be in the center of his will. And God will open up the doors he's calling you to walk through. You will be persecuted. Jesus said this, all who want to live a righteous life will be persecuted. If you're a person of prayer, if you're the person who stands on biblical principles, if you're a person who tries to love and who tries to share the gospel, you will be persecuted. But do not fear. He will be with you. And he says that there is a great reward in heaven. He says rejoice when you're persecuted, for great is your reward. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, that's good. He'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 2020 was a year of many deaths. And I'm not just talking about physically, even though tragically it was a year of death for many people. It was also a year of many things dying. There have been many things, and, and, and I want you to see here that sometimes Jesus lets things die. There's a whole chapter of the Bible, John 15, about pruning, about pruning away, about tossing away dead things. I believe that much of American Christianity in 2020, Jesus let die. Because so much of our Christianity has been about just bless me. Come and sit in a comfortable seat. Come and get your coffee just like you want it. Right? Come and listen to the music just like you want it. Be a connoisseur. Be a taste tester of church. Come and to the program you want. Lord, I come because maybe you can bless my marriage, bless my family, bless. It's all about us. And God is saying, that kind of American Christianity is not what I created you for. 
I created you for a mountain-moving Christianity. I created you to look like Jesus, to love people like Jesus. And so what happens? When something gets pruned and dead branches get cut off, guess what? The fruit explodes. So God has been allowing, I believe, things to die that don't look like him. He's been allowing those things so that we could become more like Jesus. I believe that American Christianity has gone through a great pruning. But I believe those that cling to Jesus, they will find life. They will find abundant life in him. They will find the power of God. I mean, it's sad. There, there are actually a lot of people that have, have left the church in 2020. A lot of churches got pruned. A lot of churches shut down. One-fifth of churches closed permanently. I don't know if you know that in America. A lot of people have just left and not come back. But I want to tell you, Jesus is refining his bride to be more like him, more in love with him, and more about his purposes. And for your sake, this is John eleven fifteen through 16, and for your sake, I was glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Hey, pretty good, Doubting Thomas. Remember, you know, Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. I mean, this doesn't sound like Doubting Thomas to me. Thomas, you know, let's, hey, let's go and die with him. I believe this is the kind of Christian that God is raising up in 2021. Someone who's willing to lay down their life for Jesus. With all the things dying around us, we start seeing, oh, maybe I can't just cling to a, a nice movie uh, on the weekend. The, my, the movie theater by my house is closed down. I love movies, but I can't go to that for comfort. I can't go and sit in the restaurant I love anymore. But what can I do? No one can take Jesus away from me. Right, and so, so all of a sudden you have Thomas saying, you know what, it's not about me anymore. It's not just, Jesus, I'm going to show up just so you can bless my marriage a little or bless my finances a little. Instead, he says, let us go with him to die for him. No longer are the disciples just coming to Jesus to be blessed. They're going with him and willing to die. I believe God is raising up a generation that's willing to lay down their very lives for Jesus. I believe that God is raising up a generation that actually are more about him than him just for their own blessings. They want to live for him. They want to go with him. Let us go also that we might die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Uh, now, you, you read a lot about reports about people that have died. You know, they, they, for a moment, they kind of flatlined. Or, and they, the, guys, what I call this is I call this stinky death. Like this is big time death. This is real death. Four days he's been dead. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you asked. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now that is amazing that Martha already knew that because she hadn't read the gospels. Like she's living one. 
She didn't know all of Paul's letters. She didn't know all this teaching about resurrection through Jesus. But she had this faith, and that's, that is what friends of Jesus have. You walk closely with Jesus, he's going to give you revelation. Revelation that, it, that everyone else, just the spectators don't have true friends, have secrets. I believe God's looking for a, a people who actually want to walk closely with him. And they actually have deep revelation from the Holy Spirit. And this is what Martha had. So she has this revelation of the resurrection. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you know that Jesus raises the dead? Do you know that he promises eternal life? Uh, This is one of the things that's really concerning me is how many Christians fear death. Do you know that death should not be feared? Death is a promotion for a follower of Jesus. I've been reading all these accounts of people who have actually died, Christians that have died, and it's always the same. They immediately feel this crazy peace and this crazy joy. They immediately start seeing this brilliant light, and they're always so sad when they come back to earth. They're always so disappointed. They're all like, no, I wanted to go. Why? Because heaven is a promotion. You don't need to fear death. If you really get your eyes set on heaven, you will not fear death. And, and man, the ones that don't just experience joy and peace and light, but they see Jesus, they are really bummed when they get sent back to earth. Because they're like, no, I was there face to face with true love, with the, my Savior, my Lord. And then, oh, I'm back in 2020 or 2021 in a health pandemic. <laughs> I'm excited that there are vaccines for COVID, but that is not what you're to put your belief in, your hope in. Uh, you don't need to, to, to put your faith. We don't put our faith in, in the government. We don't put our faith in finances, in an economy, in the strength of a military. I want to tell you that you can be killed, and you will only, if you're a believer of Jesus, be promoted. You don't need to fear death. You can go bravely into the future because when you die, Paul said, if I die, it's gain. The only reason I want to stay on earth is because it means fruitful labor for you. Oh my gosh, it would be so much better to be with Jesus in heaven. Do not fear death, believer, because it is a promotion into a better place where there are no more tears, no more pain, no more sickness, no more hatred. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The first thing I see 
in that text is it says Jesus once more deeply moved. Do you know what moves Jesus? You do. His friends move him. Don't ever think that you've been left alone in your suffering. No, Jesus sees you in your pain and his heart is moved and he longs to be with you and he longs to enter your situation. You move the heart of Jesus. If you can hear my voice in this tent, if you're watching on the screen, I want to tell you Jesus loves you. He loves you and he wants to be with you and he will not forsake you. And he will not desert you. And he loves to enter into your pain. And then we have in this story the most amazing thing. You know, if Lazarus wouldn't have died, we couldn't have seen one of the most amazing miracles in all the Bible, which is a resurrection from the dead. Oftentimes, Jesus will actually lead us into crazy challenges for the very reason that then he can deliver us in a miraculous way. And we forever are marked with this gift that he did a miracle on our behalf. And by the way, we need that right now as a church. Let me unpack for you what I believe God is charging us to walk into with this word believe, because as I got the word believe immediately, I, I, I started realizing, oh, this is an acrostic. This is an acrostic for something for us to, to, to rally to as a family. Like a lot of times in American Christianity, it's just all about me. It's just, I'm just an individual and I'm gonna believe for things. But no, God is teaching us to be a people. Like God always had a people. He called the people of Israel and he gave them miracles to cross through the Red Sea. And then he visited them with fire on a mountain and he spoke to them and he actually gave them an amazing promise land. And that is what God is doing with us. With us as a spiritual family, we're learning that it's not just about me, that I'm a part of a family. I'm a part of this multi-ethnic family from people from numerous countries of the world, from numerous backgrounds. And we're called to be a family that stand together and contend together and believe together. That is mature Christianity. And God is actually calling us as a people to believe for our promised land. And so I know that God is calling us into a 21-day season starting this year to pray and to fast. And I want to unpack this acrostic because I think it's what we're supposed to pray together because there is power released when a people come together. The scripture says this, that whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I am with them. Jesus, in, in some crazy way, he is the sovereign of the universe and yet he relegates himself. It's almost like he handcuffs himself to the prayers of his people. So even in Revelation, we see these prayers going up, and then we see him pouring out his spirit like a bowl onto the earth. God loves to answer the prayers of his people. You see it throughout this book that the people of God, they'd get in these challenging situations, they'd come together, they'd pray and fast together, and then God would move. And what happens after that? Then he gets amazing glory. So let me go through this acrostic. I believe that God is calling us for the next 21 days to enter a season of actually praying this together. And each of these letters have a word. And so the B stands for, if you take this sheet, I've actually put it on a little card on your chair. If you grab this card, on one side is the uncharted territories, this prophetic word that Pastor Kendall gave us last week. The only way we're going to go into uncharted territories is on this side, is if we come together and believe. The B for us stands for building permission. 
We're in this spiritual journey called the Light Project. For years, our church has been a wandering church, like the people of Israel were in the book of Genesis and Exodus, wandering around, meeting in different schools, meeting in different places. We've landed here, but it's temporary because we only have a lease on this property, and it's too small for us, and it's often going under contract to be sold. We never know when we're going to have to leave. So God started speaking to us that I have a permanent place for you. And we, we, so we, you know, tried to do our due diligence. We hired a church realtor. He was the, supposedly the number one church realtor in Southern California. And after two years of looking for us, he said, what you're looking for doesn't exist. There's not a building that, in, in your area, because we said we're committed to this area. We don't want to leave this area near City Heights, near, near San Diego State. This has been the area that we're called to. So many of our people live in the Navajo uh, neighborhoods, the college areas. We said, we don't want to leave. And we finally, the, the, the realtor ended up stopping working for us because he said, what you, what you believe for doesn't exist. And it was then, it was when it seemed impossible that one of my pastor friends said, hey, I think I have just the place for you. And he sends me this diagram of a church building on this corner L lot on the College Avenue and the 8 Freeway. Now, the amazing thing is I had actually lived in Del Cerro, and I would drive by that every day, and I always thought if there was one place that we could put a church, it would be right there on the 8 Freeway, directly across from San Diego State. We started next to San Diego State. It's access to everyone, access to our people from, from, from the mid-cities area, from City Heights. We have so many people in Del Cerro. This would be the perfect place. And we, we call them, and, and, but for always that land was tied up. It was always under contract, so we could never make an offer, and plus we could have never afforded it. Well, this, pa- this pastor sends it to me. We see the diagram of it, and all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, this is it. That I can actually see a church on this. And we call the, the people that were selling it, and they said, this is the last day that we're selling it. You can put a bid in. And we put a bid in through the generosity of a, some, some lead givers. They accepted our bid, and they gave it to us. We were beyond belief. I mean, it was one of those exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or imagine for. So excited. So now it's time to build. And that was two years ago. Can I tell you just because God calls you to something, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy? Can I tell you that every time God calls you to something, it might not mean that everyone's going to be excited about it? Uh, Some people might even be against it. And so I want to take you into this because these last several months, we've actually had tremendous opposition towards building our church building. Uh, There was a a group that actually started a a social media campaign and and saying all kinds of things and a lot of lies about us. And then they started writing letters to different city officials. And then they started contacting the newspaper. And so you might have seen, we've been in the newspaper, the Union Tribune a couple times. And then they started contacting news stations. And so there've been like these TV news stories about us. And I've received some pretty harsh emails from people I don't know uh, coming against, against us. And so what do you do when someone totally opposes you and totally they say things about you? What do you do? You love them. And you bless them, right? Wow, perfect. And the mood music came on right there. I don't know if you're up here, but all of a sudden this beautiful music came on. What, what, what do you do? Um, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said if someone strikes you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek. If someone asks you your coat, you give them your cloak. So, so here's what I've been doing. Whenever I receive an email or whenever someone says something, I just remember their name. And I start praying for them. 
And you're like, ooh, that's good, pastor. You pray that God will get them. No. No, I actually pray that, that they'll, they'll feel God's love and that God will bless their marriage and he'll bless their children and, and he'll, he'll bless them financially and, and he'll, he'll take care of them. I, 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 we are called to love our adversaries. Um, not, not called to fight back, not called to get angry, not called to tear in. Guys, there's nothing uglier than a biting sheep. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, we are, we, Jesus calls us sheep, the sheep of his pastors. And you know that, that sheep are defenseless. Like sheep, sheep are not, you know, no one has a watch sheep to protect their house, right? But, but that is what so many Christians have done is they get attacked and they're attacked back. Oh, I'm going I'm to fire back attacks. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, to write this nasty thing on social media. No, Jesus said that we bless those who come against us. We love those. And so I've been doing this. I, I've been praying, and, I, and I've been praying, bless them, and I've been praying, God, I want to, I want to love them. And, and the crazy thing is I've been praying for this one person, and the other day they actually came out on a news interview, and they were speaking against us, and it was amazing because what I felt in my heart was just a, a, a deep love and, and, and compassion and kindness. Why, why do I share this? Number one, because this is the way I want us as a church to move forward. We're not going to fight. We're not going to attack. We're not going to malign. We are going to bless. We're going to pray. We're going to love. And I also share this with you because I believe a time is coming where you're going to be persecuted more and more in your businesses. When you stand for Jesus, in your school students, you're going to be persecuted in your families, in your neighborhoods. And what do you do? You return kindness. You show the And you're like, I don't want to do it. No, he's going to give you supernatural power, agape love, unconditional love to love those who hate you. And that way, we demonstrate the goodness of our loving Heavenly Father. Um, secondly, let's pray that God gives us this building permission. So this B is building permission. Guys, we don't win a war by fighting. We win a war by saying, God, you come and you work. So what I'm asking you to do is would you take the next 21 days and pray every day that God, he is the creator of this church. He is the, the author and perfecter. It's his church, it's not ours, that God would open up the doors for building permission. Would you pray that, church? Would you join with us in praying that over the next 21 days? I'm asking you to take this card, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to commit to this in a minute. The E stands for something different. The E stands for engagement. Now, some of you singles are like, yes, Lord, you're all praying for me to get engaged. And we, if, you, if that's what you want and you're believing for it and you're single, I mean, we started praying this yesterday and my assistant got engaged last night. So, I mean, there's some, there's some first fruits in the prayer. Audrey got engaged to Jake Kelly last night. We're really excited about that. But um, this is actually not for marriage engagement. This is for, we are praying that people will be engaged in their relationship with Jesus. During 2020, so many people, they, they just got dislodged. And their faith, which should be the forefront of our life, which should be the main focus, just became on the back burner. I am, would you pray with me that every person that calls all people's church their church would be engaged in their relationship with Jesus and then engaged in the life of the local church? Let me just say this boldly. It's time to come back to church. And now I know I'm preaching to the choir 
But we're going, when we go back to work, we go back to essential things, there's nothing more essential than church. And that's why we're making it so safe. That's why we are all wearing masks. That's why, if you notice, your rows are socially distant six, six feet apart. That's why, we have, we're, we, that's why we're taking the temperature of all our volunteers and have all the hand sanitizers everywhere and cleaning everything. And we're meeting out in a tent. Why? To make it as safe as possible. But there is nothing more important than God's family, the church, coming together to worship him and to lift his name up. Do you believe that? So it's time to come back. It's time to get involved in small group community. The enemy has intended this, this plague to pull us apart, to hide us, to make us lonely. Loneliness, suicide, alcoholism, kids failing school, families breaking up, marriages breaking up, people that I love, they're suffering. Why? Because they're not in the middle of community. Engage in the church and engage with Jesus. You will not regret it. The L stands for this, the lost being saved, the lost being saved. If you are sitting in this tent, if you are listening on this video, the reason that you know Jesus is someone prayed you into the kingdom. I've never met a Christian who, when we start talking about their story, that they don't say, yeah, my grandmother was praying for me, or my coworker was praying for me, or I had this best friend that was praying for me, or my coach was praying for me, or my parents prayed me in. God always partners. He partners with the people, his people, to pray in the lost. And so it's our job as a church to pray for a harvest. There are all these prophetic words about this incredible harvest coming, but our job is to pray it in. And it was amazing in 2020. Do you know that more people were Google searching the word prayer than at any time in history? Do you know more people downloaded the Bible online than any time in history? With pain comes people crying out for answers. And so it is a time. We went down to the beach. We did these outreaches, and dozens of people, they, were just, they weren't coming for church. They were just showing up to enjoy a night on the beach, but they were coming to Christ. It is a time for a harvest. Church, would we be a church that prays in that harvest? I encourage everyone to find some lost friend. Ask God, who are you calling me to pray for, that, that you would contend for them. Someone contended for you. The I stands for international works. When you moved to San Diego, you might not know this, but you entered into a God story. Cities have destinies, and the city of San Diego's destiny is to be a missional city for the ends of the earth, for the world. You say, what are you talking about, Robert? Do you know that our city is named after San Diego de Acala? He was a missionary, a missionary to the Canary Islands who prayed and saw great healings take place. That is what your city is named after. Do you know that San Diego is known as the mother of missions? It was the first mission to the United States was San Diego. It is the one that all the missions up the California coast birthed from. San Diego, the city, is, was created as a missional city. It's the gateway to Mexico and Latin America. Do you know that we have the most busy border in the whole world is the border between San Diego and Tijuana? Do you know that? Do you know that we deploy, first in the natural, then in the spiritual, do you know that we deploy people, our armed service people, on mission around the world, to the nations of the world? This city has a prophetic destiny, and it's to reach the nations of the world. That's why we have a commission weekend. That's why we're all about it, because God has called the city, and specifically this church as a part of it. We're just one little part of it with many other churches, but to be involved in seeing the nations hear the gospel. And so when you stepped in, that became a calling on your life. 
And would you pray? You might not all go, although I hope you all go on a short-term trip. You might not all go, but we have, in the last service, we had our whole second row was all our international workers that are back in town for this international team leaders gathering. Next weekend or uh, two weekends from now, we'll have a global weekend Will you hear from them. The next weekend, a commission weekend. Would you be praying? They desperately need your prayers. I can tell you as a pastor, when I go through hard times, I can actually feel I, I can literally feel when people are praying for me. Our church planners to the Middle East, our church planners to Southeast Asia, our church planners to Africa, they need your prayers. Furthermore, we're planting three churches this year. One in Oaxaca, Mexico, where the most unreached people groups in all of Mexico are surrounding. One in Paris, France. Boy, does France need a move of God right now. They have gone through such a painful year. <clears throat> and another one in Peru. And we are called to pray for these people. That's our international works. By the way, for you that say, hey, I, I want to be praying more faithfully for international works for missionaries, every Thursday morning, 6.30 a.m. in this tent, we have a nation's prayer. We'd love for you to come and join. For those of you that are called to be intercessors, standing on the wall, contending for the nations, be in here at 6.30 a.m. on Thursday. By the way, we also are starting this semester with a corporate church prayer time on this Wednesday at 6.30 in the sense. 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, we'll all be together for a, a time to kick back off with a, our prayer meeting. Next, E. E stands for ethnic reconciliation. I'm almost done. Ethnic reconciliation. What we saw in 2020 is we saw the manifestation of many people in our nation saying, we don't believe that everyone is treated equal. I have my, my life experience hasn't afforded me. I don't feel like I'm on the same starting line as many people. I, 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 I feel like that that's not going on in our nation. And let me tell you that God loves all peoples. He created every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue around the throne of Jesus will be every ethnicity. And the church is called to lead out in the reconciliation of all peoples coming together in love and unity. It was in 1903 in Azusa Street, I'm sorry, 1906 in Azusa Street, that in the midst of a time of tremendous racism in our country, the tremendous ethnic pain in our country that God raised up just north of here in, in Los Angeles, a, a black preacher named William Seymour, the power of God fell on their church in Azusa Street, and it created one of the greatest movements in history, which is all the charismatic and Pentecostal churches of the world. And in the heart of it was racial reconciliation. All ethnicities coming together. What had been one of the most divided times, which was church services on Sunday morning, became a totally time of this beautiful tapestry, kaleidoscopic picture of all people coming before the throne of grace together. The church is supposed to lead in racial reconciliation. And what's our call? To contend for it in prayer. And we started seeing that in 2020, but we'll continue on. Our inclusion team is planning a time for us in the first quarter of, of this new year. Pastor Lisa helps lead that inclusion team, and you'll be hearing more about the discussions for that, more about pray. I, the church is supposed to lead. You might have heard of a guy named Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Did you know that he came from the church? Did you know he was a pastor? The church is called to be the prophetic voice. It's not politics. I'm not saying politics aren't good. Let's get great legislation. But you can't legislate the heart. Only God can change the heart. Only God can transform people through the power of Jesus. Lastly, 
I take the V and the E and put them together, and I say it's vision for eternity. It's vision for eternity. I believe one of the reasons that so many Christians have been so despondent, so discouraged, so depressed is because we're not living for eternity, that we live more focused on this world than the one to come. Do you understand that you might live here 70, 80 years, but you'll live in eternity for 70,000, 80,000, 700,000, 70 billion, 700 trillion years. And so what we do on earth is just a vapor. It's just a glimpse. But we get so distraught and so concerned and and so discouraged and so depressed. But if you grab hold of eternity, you will be lifted. That weight will come off you because you know that this is just a vapor. And your eternal home is in heaven with Jesus. In a new heaven and a new earth. Something happened to me when I was a young man about college age where I got a glimpse of eternity and it changed everything about how I live. Every day thinking about eternity, and I'm asking God visits us with that revelation, and I want it more so we can walk in that motivated by eternity. By God's grace, that's the next series I'm going to lock into. Here's what I'd ask you to do if you take out your phone again. I'm asking, would you take out your phone? And I would ask you to do this, and everyone can do this, and then you can decide what to do with it. Take out your phone and open a text message. I'm going to do this with you. Take out your phone, open a text message, and text <clears throat> the number where it says two, text 94,000. Put the, put the number 94,000. Then text this word, believer. Everyone do this, then you can decide on whether you want to sign up or not. Text the word, believer. What's going to happen is it is going to send you a form to fill out. What I'm asking you, and now this is where it's your choice, would you commit to joining us the next 21 days in praying this prayer. If you'd commit, I'd ask you to actually sign up just by putting your name in there. Would you sign up and and actually say, yes, I will pray. Now, if you don't pray every day, we're not going to come to your house and ask you why you're not praying. Uh, This is just you saying, hey, it's in my heart to pray this. Some of you might not even be a part of All People's Church. Some of you watching aren't, but you might just say, man, I, I think it's a great way to start 21 by believing. Then put your name in there, your email address, and what's going to happen is you're going to get a digital copy of this because what I know is you, everyone won't have this all the time. And sometimes it's in my lunch break or I go sit in my car or I go for a walk and I'm not going to have this, but you're going to have a digital copy of this sent to you. You're also going to get some, some periodic devotionals from our pastors and some periodic updates in the next 21 days of what to specifically be praying for. We're called to be a praying church. We're called to be a a mighty church, not through our strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd ask you, would you be willing to commit to that? I'd ask you also, would you be willing to do some fasting with us? Over these next 21 days, however God leads you, maybe it's just skipping one meal, maybe it's a, a one day, maybe it's three days. For, for some of us, we're going to do 21 days on a Daniel fast. Daniel entered a season of 21 days, believing for breakthrough, and it says in Daniel chapter 1 that he went without wine and fancy foods. He had vegetables and water. It's going to be a little challenging, especially for a guy that grew up on a cattle ranch. But Some things, Jesus said, some things come through prayer and fasting. 
And so when we fast, it allows us to, to, to push aside some of the comforts of the world to focus on the kingdom. And there's a tremendous power released in prayer and fasting. I'd invite you in some way, maybe for some of you, it might be a 21-day media fast. That might actually be harder than, than, than fasting food is not getting on social media. You might end up really happy. And, uh, maybe for some of you it's a news fast uh, for 21. I don't know what it is, but would you just let God lead you? But would, can we join, church? Can we join as a family? Can we actually be the people of God and contend together? Because I believe God wants to invade with his kingdom. But he does that in correspondence with the prayers of his saints. I'm out of words. Let's stand up.